Hey, you, you want to see something really scary? What's your favorite scary movie? I'm going to scare the hell out of you. What was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. They're coming to get you, Barbara. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk here. What's blood for, if not for shedding? Welcome to Fright Night. Welcome back to Jump Scare. I'm Betty. And I'm Shed. This week we're celebrating 30 years of the X-Files. Two FBI agents assigned to the same cases for different reasons. No explainable cause of death. Do you have a theory? You believe in the existence of extraterrestrials. One a skeptic, one a believer. Both trying to answer questions that were never meant to be uncovered. I think those kids have been abducted. By who? By what? Seal this up. Nobody sees or touches this. Distinguishing features indicate subject is not human. You've got to trust me. I gotta know what they're protecting. Hold it right there. Between reality and fantasy. You've got to protect me. Terror and reason. Alder, what are they? Trust and betrayal. The x-rays and pictures. Lie the chilling secrets. Alder, is that you? Mulder? Of the X-Files. Agent Mulder, what are his thoughts? Agent Mulder believes we are not alone. The X-Files, a new dramatic series premiering Friday, September 10th on Fox. So I did watch this show when it aired. I was a teenager and I had previously, um, I don't, I don't, you, you're going to tell me if this came before. I feel like, when did Dark Skies come out? Because I feel like it came at the same time. It came out a few years into X-Files. It was kind of a reaction to X-Files where they wanted, someone wanted to make a show similar to the X-Files, but it was an even more deeper dive into the conspiracy things because... Dark Skies first season is a conspiracy lover's dream of everything that happened during the uh, 60s conspiracy wise and before that. I I have like very faint memories of watching Dark Skies um but during the day on the Saturday. Ah. So I don't know if it was like one of those where like it didn't do well and then they were just doing like the reruns like it might have. I don't remember. I remember watching it. I've got the DVDs of it. I've been to watch for a while now, but I just haven't had a chance. Well, for the X-Files, um, I had, uh, you know, obviously I'd never seen anything like that before. Like, I was all about it at the time. You know, you had, like, Party of Five and, you know, all those freaking shows that were out during that time frame. So this kind of, like, definitely stood apart you know, from yeah. the, those other things. This was aired on Friday night after The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr., which was a hell of a Friday night that i sad that Briscoe County didn't stick around to. Uh, but The X-Files really picked up with the sci-fi and non-sci-fi fans, whereas Briscoe County just kind of stayed with the same fan base and didn't really expand out, which is funny because the same kind of show, the same kind of humor and that you know, like that was Hercules and Xena that came along a couple of years later that did crazy business in syndication. So you got to wonder if Briscoe County had been a syndicated show, would it have been as, it has been a big a hit? And I kind of think it would have been. Probably. Because I think if it had aired on the afternoons, like Saturday afternoon, where people were watching it more, it would have probably been a bigger hit, but it just didn't catch on on Friday nights. 
The X-Files did, though, and it just exploded. And it was crazy how it went from, like... It was kind of like The Walking Dead. Like, a few people heard of it during the first season, a few more during the second. But by the third season, it seemed like it was everywhere, and everybody knew about it, you know? Yeah. I, I don't have... I don't have a lot of memories um, of watching them. Like, when I watch the episodes, I'm like, oh, okay, I remember. You know, I remember these episodes and some episodes stick out. There's a lot of them. And I did leave the, uh, I did leave the X-Files. It was when I stopped watching when the new lady came in. Ah. Um... And also Robert Patrick. Yeah. When they were there, I was out. Who was... It's funny because it was supposed to be Bruce Campbell coming on to the X-Files at that point. But oh. he couldn't do it because he had committed to be in um, Jack of All Trades instead. He had a contract for that. So he couldn't get out of it. And he ended up being... <sighs> but he wishes he'd passed on that one. Let me tell you. <laughs> I love me some Bruce Campbell. But... No, that would have not made the show. That would have the tone of that show. I, I can't. I can't even envision that. I can't envision X Files with Bruce Campbell in it. That's like. Well, he would have been the one taking over for Robert Patrick. No, I know that, but yeah. Robert Patrick. Hello, he's, he's a freaking, way more serious. He's a Terminator. Like he's so serious. He's so stoic. You know, and he does have the, he does have that like he could pull off for sure an agent. Like, Bruce Campbell? Like, no. Bruce Campbell is, like, the rejected, like, private <laughs> investigator. You know? Like, that other show he did where he was always wearing those Hawaiian shirts. Like, that, yeah, he was perfect. Burn notice. Yeah, Burn Notice. He was perfect in that show. He did guest in one of the X-Files later seasons where he played a demon. Oh, my god, Which was pretty funny. That is pretty funny. Uh, now, the X-Files came on when I was living in Joplin, Missouri, and... The first year that it was on was fine. We had a Fox station out on our cable channel where we watched it. But when the second season started, the cable company decided that it wouldn't be fair since Fox had the NFL rights that year for them to cut our local ABC station out of it. So they dropped the Fox station. And we were like, well, so we'll just not see any more Fox shows. We'd only had the station for a year. And everyone was upset. They're like, no, it's fine. The local ABC station is going to be a secondary affiliate for Fox. So they'll run these shows after midnight, and you'll be able to watch them. Well, they didn't run all the shows from the, the Fox. They, did, they only ran The X-Files, The Simpsons, Party of Five, and 90210. Beverly Hills 90210. That was the only ones they ran. And they ran them after midnight at like... After all the late, late shows were done, the late news was done. So one, two in the morning, they would come on. And, you know, you'd have to set your recorder for them. And they aired on different nights. The X-Files at the time was airing on Friday night. So they might air it on Sunday. Yeah. You know. And it was, for two years, it was almost impossible to catch every episode of the X-Files. Because sometimes they would just skip an episode. They'd just forget to run it. And then they, you'd have to wait until it came around again and rerun to see it. So for a couple of years, uh, I watched a lot of these episodes on repeat because the ones that you did have recorded, because I, I was, you know, staying up late to tape them as much as possible. Everybody I knew was like, yeah, can we watch your X-Files? Can we watch your X-Files? Because some people didn't even get to see them at all. Yeah. So I watched the first two seasons and then later on, like three and four up until five, kind of on repeat because I was always recording them, showing the people that didn't get a chance to watch them. Well, we 
um, at this podcast this evening. <laughs> it's evening for us. We are going to be going over some of our favorite episodes and um, discuss them a bit. They, I mean, the catalog obviously is very large as there is like... You've got over 200 episodes to choose from. Yeah, there was a lot. there. You know, and I don't know why... The show wasn't the same after the original two were gone. Um, but yeah. not only that, it got kind of... I don't want to say tired. It was just like... Can, what's the end game? Like, he's still looking for his sister. This one is still, like, she, you know, she's going, she's gone through so much shit. You know, she was abducted and all that crap that happened. And, you know, coming in as, the you know, the, the head logic, you know, just not even seeing super skeptical. Just sticking to the science, you know, as opposed to him. He's, you know, a believer and then you're it just it just seems so redundant to me like at some point it was the same episode but but at the same time it was just like you gotta you gotta get it's not like now where there's like so many different choices yeah you know the choices back then were pretty slim especially when it came to like genre things well, this is one of those classic things, too. The show was supposed to end at the end of the fifth season. That was supposed to be it. And then the movie was going to come out, and they were going to do movies periodically with them. And they had a whole plan for that. And then at the very last minute, they renegotiated everything and came out with a plan to bring it back and do more seasons of it. And I feel like this is one of those things that they would have been much better off stopping at season five and just continuing to do a movie every few years with in a and do the movie as kind of a monster of the week type thing because they had a lot of episodes that if you can change them over to a movie and just expand it a little bit would have made a great movie. Yeah. Things like the you know, it's like we're talking about even some of the early episodes like the ice episode where they went and had to go to the North Pole to investigate a murder at the North Pole and it was a very suspiciously similar episode to the thing. Yeah. Uh, they could have turned something like that into a movie, but it just never seemed to get off the ground creatively after the fifth season as much. There were good episodes, but they weren't as much, you know, there weren't as many of them as there were in the first five seasons. Well, let's start off. What is the first episode that you want to discuss? I'm talking about one from the first season uh, that I liked called Genderbender, which would, uh, I think, later be an episode named for Futurama as well. (laughs) 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 But it is about a killer that can change genders. That's going around through all the clubs, meeting people, meeting them as a man, meeting them as a woman, and then leaving as the other gender after they have sex with them. Sex is so good, it causes them to die. So, I don't know. Some I mean, serious they, sex. It's some serious sex. So, they, the bad news is they died. The, best, the good news is they had the best night of their life before they died. So, can you really complain too much about that? That episode is very... It's... It's intriguing to me because it's that whole, like, these people are living out in the forest, like, living their own Yeah, when you find out, they start investigating who might be behind this, and you find it's a group called the Kindred, which is very similar to the Amish, and they're all living out there without technology, away from everyone. They don't want to interact with any other people, and, of course, you realize as time goes on, it's because they are aliens of some sort, and they don't want to be 
interacting with the humans because whatever kind of alien they are, sex with them is dangerous to humans. Yeah. And they have a special clay out there that they use that's keeping them younger. Because you see pictures of some of the people that they've been there for maybe a hundred or more years that look exactly the same. I want to eat some of those clay. Yeah, it'd be nice to put that. It says they, yeah, they're known for selling uh, pots and stuff with it. I'm like, if you melt that pot down that you bought from the Kindred, can you just take a bath in that and then <laughs> shave a few years off your life? They're kind of ambiguous about that. The, uh, the, go, the, sorry. the direction it decided to go with this story of... Yeah, let's just... I can't even... I wish I was a fly in the room, like, when all the ideas are getting shot out everywhere, because think about it, like, they're aliens, and they have decided to take up a very simple way of life just to stay away. We don't know if they were stuck there, if they just decided to, you know, cohabit with, you know, live on Earth... For whatever reason, maybe something happened to their planet. There's no backstory to the kindred. It's just they're yeah, out there living in the woods. They are not living off, you know, their technology. They only use the technology, I would say, to move through, um, I don't want to say dimensions, but move through the shadows. We'll say move through the shadows. Yeah, you see some things where they're doing some creepy stuff, kind of. Maybe they're teleporting, maybe they aren't. It's kind of ambiguous. This was one of their episodes where, like I said, they really hadn't fleshed out the whole what aliens were doing on Earth yet and what was going on with it. And that kind of led to problems later on because they did have conflicting things about what the aliens were doing and who was responsible for it. And it got I... a little convoluted after a while. But I kind of liked it better when it was like this, when it was just kind of ambiguous. There's a group of aliens on Earth. They're doing some creepy shit. And you, yeah, just deal with it. I think, I look, I, I look at it this way. I don't look at it as all the aliens are the same. I think all the aliens are different, coming from different planets, and they all have their different thing, you know. Um, but the aliens that we commonly know and see are the greys, so that's what everyone's expecting. So that storyline of, like, the greys shouldn't change. But then to have like something like the Kindred, I can accept because maybe that came from a completely different planet than what the Greys lived on. You know, we so don't really know if these were like aliens that just were pretending to be humans, or if these were just humanoid aliens all along. Because they never say if this was like a different shape for them, or you know, could they change shape to look like anyone else? You know, we don't really get a backstory of what's going on with them. Can they all do that? Do they change yeah. shape everywhere, or is it just the one that can? do that we don't really know they could be shape shifters for sure yeah that's yeah. like a real big thing right now on, this on episode TikTok. also was uh the first appearance of nicholas lee on the x-files who would go on to be Crychek, who would crop up as a fly and the ointment quite a bit uh throughout the up series but yeah it's one of those things where he makes up a little you know it's ran random appearance here is just a guy that almost gets killed by the gender bender and then later on, he's got a recurring role on the series. You don't see that as much on shows now as you used to in like the, the 80s and 90s where people would play a little part and then come back and play, you know, a completely different character later. I would say that the most recent that off the top of my head would be Gilmore Girls because mm -hmm. uh, Sean Gunn in the pilot episode, he has a different name. Then hmm. when they do like literally the next episode, um, so yeah, but that's like the or like that's the most clearest 
type, and that's like right early now. that I could think of, and that's like early two thousands. So, but yeah, it, they don't really do that as much as they used to, you know. But it's just, it's weird. It was like, oh, we liked you for this one bit, but it's not like a recurring character. It's just like a one-off, but they did so good. Or maybe when they freaking have them, you know, rate the audience or whatever, they're like, oh, I really like that character. I really like yeah. that actor. And they're like, man, there was a, so many comments towards this one person. Maybe we should you know bring him into the show kind of thing but they probably wanted him because it was so damn good looking <laughs> he's super cute um any anything else regarding this episode no this is one of the this is one of my favorites of it because it was one of the first ones where um scully you know she's always skeptical on things but she's a little bit more believing on this one because she sees some unusual things and kind of has to go along with it you know Oh, she sees some unusual things, and yeah. she does some unusual things. Yeah, she uh, almost falls victim to some uh, alien pheromones in this one. Yeah, the alien pheromones definitely got her. Yep. Big time. Uh, my episode is three, season uh-huh. two, episode seven. And um, coincidentally, it's starring Perry Reeves, who dated Mulder, <laughs> David David Duchovny <laughs> at the time. <laughs> They're not real people. His name is Mulder. Uh, dated Mulder at the time, which she's also Ari's wife in Entourage. Wow. So seeing her, like, I mean, within like a 20-ish year difference is crazy. I mean, she looked good in Entourage, but it's just like, whoa, that's really crazy that that's her. You know, and this was the first episode where we saw Mulder just by himself out doing this kind of stuff. Yes, because she was out, and Jillian uh, Anderson actually was on much like maternity leave, right? Yeah, she this is like she took off one episode. Yeah, she took a lot she of time. She took off. one episode off. Wow. <laughs> well, now the next episode, I think she's back, but she's in a coma, laying in the bed, so she still kind of got a second episode off. But you know. She's like, I need to get the money, so I know I'm going to get paid if I just lay here in this bed all day. So I'm going to do that because I'm still recuperating from the birth that I just gave 24 hours ago. Um, yeah. So this episode, if any, if you have listened to this podcast at all, okay, for a while, you know that I love me some vampire shit. Anything with vampires, I'm all about it. And this one is about vampire and Mulder is in Los Angeles. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you, I don't know if it's because that was actually his girlfriend. I mean, I'm sure that plays a big part in it. But this episode is hot. It's a very sexy episode. There's not a lot of sexy episodes. (laughs) But this one, wowza. Like, I was all about this episode. So... Yeah, and it's very gothy. It's very 90s. Oh, yeah. The club they go into, Club Tepish. Yeah, Club Tepish. That I, just screams the 1990s, doesn't it? I, this episode is dripping 90s. Okay? State claim at Club Tepish. Oh, my gosh. I can't with you. <laughs> you have three vampires out on the loose. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And right the there. The Holy Spirit. The Unholy Spirit. I'm sorry. 
Um, the other, I don't think it was unholy. I think it was the Holy Spirit. But you're the X-Files fanatic, so we're just going to leave it at that and put a dot, dot, dot. Um, I think that was the whole thing, like the whole funny thing of it, um, having it be the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit was a woman. Uh, the son and the father, obviously males. And they're going around like just killing random people. I love how the son, of course, obviously works in like the hospital and he's a janitor and he's like stealing <laughs> the blood bags. Yep. And how the janitor hates him because he always has to change the light bulbs down there because he's, he's always breaking them. <laughs> Which is freaking classic. And how when Mulder calls to ask about an employee that works there, the literally the operator on the other side or whoever it is that he's talking to is like, oh, so-and-so. Like, right off the bat, they knew, oh, yeah, this freak. like This idiot. <laughs> I know you're calling about because there's something wrong with this dude. Um yeah, that's what I that's what I enjoy about the episode. I enjoy the very 90s-esque and the hotness of it all. Um, how Mulder is alone and he, he gets caught up. He gets caught up in this one because there's no Scully to draw him back and be like, don't get involved with this vampire lady, Mulder. Exactly. Exactly. And I feel like he's also, you know, cause in the show, she didn't have a baby and go away. Like, yeah, she's kind of, you know, upset that she's gone and he's missing her and just looking, he's lonely. Yeah. He's lonely. He's just looking at whatever. And also, you know, really, you know, it was so funny because this is the one where you see that he, not that he's skeptical, but he's not 100% going in. Like he's not usual molder. He still has, he has a little bit of, Scully, yeah, like a Scully thought. He's more along the line of like these are just people pretending to be vampires. These aren't real vampires. Yeah, and, and he sees some things on this one. They're like, oh shit! I thought this guy was faking, but I guess he wasn't. Yeah, when the they put him in the jail cell, and literally he comes in and he's like, yeah, the um, sunlight's gonna be reaching you soon. So are you gonna give up the other people that we're looking for? Like, tell me their names. And he's and the the creature. Oh, we're gonna see creature. Uh, the sun. Is like, no, he decides he's not going to say anything. So Mulder has the officer outside, you know, obviously keep a watch on this dude. And then, oh, here comes the sun. It's moving closer and closer. And it's a great scene. Yeah, we see, like, the sun creeping across the cell. Yes, it's fantastic. And it gets him, and he just burns up, like, crispy. And the two cops are witnessing this. Yeah, and they all see it. I love it when Mulder's talking to the coroner guy on this one, and the guy is like, I find every part of what you're saying disturbing on many levels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, just, he's very upset by everything. Uh, yeah, because nobody wants to deal with this. These guys are just doing their job. They don't want to deal with this kind of weird shit. Yeah, they're just, they just want regular cases. They don't want this weird shit. Yeah, and how they were able to decipher that he had he had the stamp of the club on him. Yeah, they scrape a little bit of the burned skin off and find the Which, the stamp of a club tepish was burned into his hand. It's very interesting, you yeah. know. But yeah, and then here we go. Here she is, like Kristen, just you know her sad. There's like an abuse monologue, you know how she got hooked up with these people. 
And she herself, I guess she was a vampire in training. Like, she wasn't a real... She wasn't a real one. She was amongst real ones. Yeah, she just kind of wanted to... You know, this is, of course, you know, like in the middle of the 90s and the height of all the AIDS epidemic and people and people are, you know, super paranoid about blood and all that kind of stuff. And that plays a part in it, too, that people are, you know, these people are just willing to be so free about drinking blood and, you know, sharing blood and all that. That Mulder is like, he's like, no, like, aren't you worried about AIDS? Literally, he asked her like straight out and she was like, no. But then again, like, obviously not her so much, but her gang, like the people that she's with, they're not worried about AIDS because they're freaking vampires. Yeah. Like, there's like, ah, whatever. We don't really know. The thing about this is that it's one, it's one of the stories that shows Mulder that something is real. Yeah. But he doesn't, he can't take anything away from it to prove that it's real. Yeah. And even if, obviously, I mean, the anomaly of, like, having someone human combust to, like, because the sun came out. Like, that's, like, how do you explain that? You know, he just, like, burst into fucking flames. And then, not only that, but the other, the the sun died. He got burned up. But yeah. then he comes back at the end of the episode. And he has slight scarring, but he doesn't look like Freddy Cougar, like someone that got like crispy so like he wonder, did. Like when they, you know, at the end of this episode, when they find some more bodies, they're going to be like, hey, how the hell did this guy get over here? Exactly. That so was left. Validate, yeah, it might validate a little bit of Mulder's theories on things, you know. Oh, for sure. Yeah, because we never, it's not, it never gets revisited. And that is something that's just lingering out there because, of course... They knew he was in the morgue. They did, you know, the, not an autopsy, but the coroner saw the body, like, took the photos, wrote whatever notes he did when he was in the cell. Like, they brought him down. The whole, the whole fucking shebang. All that happened, you know? So they can't be like, they already had his blood on file. Like, how did this guy get out from being in, you know, the freezer to being burned up in this house? Yeah. There's going to be some questions they can't answer on this one. It's going to be a rough day for Mulder. Also including, why were you half-dressed at this woman's house that just got uh, attacked by vampires and burned down? I mean, why not? The thing, it's, she is a believer. And she just believes so much that, one, she's not afraid of AIDS. And two, like... She, it's giving her purpose in life. And literally, I feel like that's why Mulder connects with her because he is the same way um, to some degree. He's a believer, you know, he wants to be in it. And it's like there's that connection between the two. So I think that's why he's just like, okay, let's have sex. (laughs) I'm... I wouldn't have been able to resist her. She's very vampire looking. She looks fantastic. And then here you come later when the reveal of who the Holy Spirit, because you don't see her throughout the whole episode. I was right. I checked. It is the unholy spirit. Fine. The unholy spirit. And she's vampires. You got to flip the whole script on the whole thing. I guess so. I mean, I thought it was just like an ironic thing. Like, oh, Um, when the unholy spirit appears... 
you know, she's like speaking like Transylvanian or Romanian or yeah. whatever. You know, so you're like, oh shit, she's like the real deal. Like, this is like a real thing. Yeah, she came from the old country. But it didn't work out because they got the. But did they die? Yeah, I always wondered if they. This is one of those ones they could have come back to, but they never did. They didn't, and I and that makes me sad because I really do enjoy this episode. Um, like I said, it's mostly for the sexiness and the vampires. <laughs> so I don't know how you could have done this episode and not have made it sexy. Besides the fact that Mulder, uh, David I do Duchovny. love Mulder at the club though, where everyone else is all in their goth gear and he's just <laughs> in there and he's like his suit sitting down. It's like man, everybody just looks at him like narc, narc, narc. <laughs> yeah, he's he. Forget about uh, this person over here that's like sucking someone's blood with a fucking straw. He's the one that stands out. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's the odd duck in that club. Uh, my next one is going to be uh, from the fifth season. It is an episode that hasn't doesn't have a lot to do with Mulder or Scully. He's in it a little bit, but it mostly has to do with the lone gunman, and it's called Unusual Suspects. And it takes place back in 1989 when, at a uh, communications conference, the lone gunmen all meet for the first time. And those are all, you know, Mulder's nerdy friends. You've got Byers, Langley, and Frohickey, who, you know, we see they're the ultimate conspiracy guys. We see them early on in the show. They're showing Scully, like, how the money has a special strip in it. So when you go through metal detectors, the government knows exactly how much cash you have on you. And they, you know, they're the ones that helped Mulder figure out some things over the years. And this one, we see how they met Mulder and how they got to be. And, uh, you know, this is one of those typical ones where you they think at first, like, ah, they don't believe in any of this stuff. None of it. But throughout the episode, they very quickly become believers in everything. And you also get to see... The Mulder, which I love this episode for one, a lot of reasons, but one of them I love when Mulder gets a call on the phone in this one. And he takes his phone out of his jacket pocket because it's 1989. It weighs like 10 pounds. <laughs> it's one of the giant cell phones with the big like rubber antenna on the top of it. And he's calling out to that. That part always cracked me up because cell phones were such a big part of this. And you can watch as the series goes on, their cell phones do get smaller and smaller as it goes on because initially they've got... What was a small phone in 1993 was still a big phone by later standards, you know. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, this one's great. It has a lot of humor in it where they all get to meet. And they're at the telecommunications conference and they're doing the things like where the a couple of the guys have got their uh, cable things they're selling you to hack the cable. And they're like, you can get 33 channels of cable with this in perfect clarity. It's like, wow, 33 whole channels. That's amazing. It sure was at the time. Yeah, at the time, that was great. And uh, this episode is also notable because it features an appearance by Richard Belzer as Detective Munch. And he went on to play, uh, besides playing uh, Detective Munch in Homicide, uh, where he originally played him, he also went on to play him in in, Law & Order SVU for like, God, I don't know, 15 years. He was in the other Law & Order. He was in 10 different shows including Sesame Street, playing Detective Munch, showing up over the years. It became kind of a running joke that if you had a cop on the show that was going to make a small appearance, at some point it was going to be Richard Belzer playing Detective Munch, showing up. And I also love the gag in this, where throughout Homicide and different shows, he would always tell the suspects, don't lie to me like I'm uh, Montel Williams. Don't lie to me like I'm Maury Povich or whatever. Whoever the popular talk show host was at the time. Yeah. This one you see, like, it's ni- back in 1989. So, of course, he's like, don't lie to me. I'm not Geraldo Rivera. 
don't try and pull this crap on me. And uh, it was just a nice episode, uh, you know, the flashback and see, you know, how they got to meet, you know, and become friends. And it also was the first time you've seen uh, Stephen Williams, who played Agent X, you know, after uh, in the first season when uh, Mulder's contact died, he started getting uh, messages from another person that was Agent X that he, for several seasons, he got messages from. And it was the actor Stephen Williams. Who people know from the TV show 21 Jump Street. He was also the bounty hunter Duke Creighton in Friday the 13th. Uh, J- or, uh, Jason Goes to Hell, the final Friday. Yes, that He's guy. He's the crazy guy, the crazy bounty hunter in that. That gives the whole speech about <laughs> the weird thing about Jason and the hot dogs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that guy's out of this Craziest world, Craziest monologue ever. Yeah, it's that guy. And he's so funny because he's so deadly serious in the X-Files, but then just so ridiculous in that show, you know, or in that movie. But yeah, this one was always one of my favorites because it's one of their lighthearted episodes. It's got some serious stuff in it, but it's also, you know, kind of lighthearted and shows you how, you know, they all got to be. And it, it's always been one of my favorites. I, that episode, like, when they're walking through the conference, I've been through a lot of conferences before, so I feel like, I I, I love set design, so I'm like, that shit is spot on. Yeah. (laughs) And... The cheap booths and everyone out there just trying to do their best. Exactly. Just like, okay, they really captured that. And yeah, you have to wonder, like, how heavy were those cell phones? Oh, yeah. Especially Mulder, I feel, throughout the series... He oh, it's like Hermione's like purse, which from Harry Potter. That purse, you look at it, it's like a normal purse, but then she's gonna fucking pull out like a whole closet, a freaking you know, a, a crazy large shit that you know. It's like the the Tardis of purses, <laughs> you know. So he always is pulling out something crazy out of his fucking trench coat. I'm like, what is this amazing trench coat that he's wearing that has all these damn pockets? It is X-Files. Apparently. Yeah, that pocket had to be huge to hold that phone. I don't know what... There's no way. He had to have that specially made because they did not make jackets with pockets that big to hold that phone. For sure. And then, like, the weight of it all. Like, (laughs) especially if he has to go, like, run after a suspect. You have to drop the phone so you can chase him faster. Another... It's this is another um I would say not that this was either fit was not filmed that way, but it has a slight for me, it has a slight nor element to it. Yeah. Because you have the mysterious woman that's like she's of need and is she evil? Like right off the bat, I that's what I think. I'm like, is this like uh, yeah, she's obviously evil. Like, off the bat, you're like, oh, she's going to be luring these nerds to their death. Exactly. Is she evil? Does she have malintent? Or is she actually the innocent? But the spider, that's how she catches, you know, yeah. her victims. She's just spinning her web and luring them towards her. So the freaking guy's, like, all infatuated with her. And he's she he's, like, all about her. Uh, yeah. What's his name with the mustache? Uh, Langley. Langley. Of course his name is Langley. <laughs> He's obviously the cutest one out of the three. Yeah, he was born on the day JFK was assassinated. Yes, he was, and I'm sure they do. I'm sure they cover that. They do cover that. Oh yeah, don't they, they? mentioned it. That that's he got that name because of that. I I can't with this this episode. Who do you know who wrote? I was trying to see if there was a pattern for the ones that we loved. Like, is it the same director and writer for all um, of them? 
Yeah, a lot of the ones that we tend to like, along with a lot of other people, tend to be written by uh, Darren Morgan and James Wong, Vince Gilligan. Vince Gilligan went on to do Breaking Bad um, and a lot of other shows. But they did a lot of the episodes on here. And like Kim Manners and directed, I think, 53 or 54 of the episodes. He did a lot of X-Files episodes. He sure did. He did the two of mine. He did three. He directed three. He also directed um, my next pick. Yeah. And Rob Bowman did a lot of them. He also directed the X-Files movie, the first one that they did. So, yeah, they had a lot of the consistent crew on this show. And I think that's the secret to a lot of the good episodes on this, is you have the same people working on stuff where they really know the characters, you know? Yeah. And not only that, they have their... They each have their their um, own style yeah. to some degree. So... You know, I'm sure probably, like, hardcore fans can, like, tell you, like, oh, this is a Kim Manners, like, directed thing, yeah. or this is a story by, you know, Darren Morgan, Yeah. you know. The Morgan and Wong, they tend to do a lot of the, like, more humorous ones, where there was a lot more, like, they did uh, Humbug, the one that I, that one aired on my birthday that year. Humbug? Yeah, Humbug, uh, strange fact. I yeah, was yeah, in I the hospital with food poisoning. Oh. <laughs> watching it in a hospital bed. Wow. <laughs> That is pretty crazy. Yeah. So that one's always has a special place for me because of like waking up at midnight to watch that thing at the hospital. <laughs> well, as I said before, my next episode is directed by uh, Kim Manners. It was written by um, Tim Miner and it's uh, Mind's Eye, season five, episode 16. And that has Lily Taylor in it, um, who I love. And adore. She's a fantastic actress. She was actually nominated for an Emmy for her performance in this episode where she plays a blind woman who's being who's able to see through the mind of a killer and unfortunately witnesses all of his kills. Um, and she you know what? It's like she doesn't try to stop them because she's. it's too late. She's seeing them happening live. Yeah, it's already going on at the time that she's seen it, so she can't really do much about it. But then it's like, why would you go to these crime scenes and try to, like, the first one, she was she had, like, a sponge. They found her, like, she looked like she was trying to clean up the, you know, the scene. Yeah. Like, why would you do that? You know, especially if you technically didn't have anything to do with it. Yeah, it takes a while to figure out why she's doing that, you know. Yeah, we do. We do take a... We do find out in the end exactly why that's happening. But this is just, for me, classic... One of those classic stories, you know, where, like, um, Mark Hamill was in that one where... He had gone a new eye, like new eyes. Oh, yeah, in uh, body bags. Yeah. And, you know, because the eyes belong to, like, a killer. And it has that kind of, like, element, like, you know, for her, she had lost a sense. But then, because she lost that sense in a very, like, traumatic way, she somehow, through the trauma of being in the womb, which is when her trauma occurred she was able to connect to the person that did that to her, you know, which is crazy because you find out that the killer that she's able to see is actually her dad. And he, you know, obviously violent person, um, stabbed her mom um, when, you know, she was pregnant and 
like ruptured something in like the brain that like you know oh, yeah, her eye. Yeah. So she was born blind. That's why she was blind. But also still had a connection to him. Mm-hmm. Which Ugh. is so fascinating. It's terrible. I had so many questions about this, but I always I always think about the craziest things because I'm like, did she spend her whole life? Because this is not someone that's like 15. This is like a grown woman. Yeah. So has she spent all her life seeing all of these atrocities that he's done? But he had been released, I think, recently or something. Yeah, it had been too long ahead of that. So... That's why she, you know, he just went to do his stupid same shenanigans and they were like, whatever. But I do love how she is, her performance in this, as I said in the beginning, is fantastic. And you get, she's so like strong and independent in her questioning and so like gaffing everything off, you know, to the degree of, I was like, okay, Mulder just calls her out. Like, he's like, no, this is what's happening. You know, I she, she probably could see something. Yeah, you know? he says right off the bat, he's like, yeah, I think she can just see. I think she's just full, I think she's just full of shit. <laughs> yeah, and you find out, nope, that's, she's actually blind. She's a real blind lady. Um, I, I, it's, it's one of those episodes that literally, I, I it just stuck in my mind. Um, just solely before her performance. And uh, I don't know. Do you remember watching that episode? And did you know in the direction where they were going to be heading? No, that one, I I remember that one, but that one wasn't one of the ones that I watched a lot. I remember it when it came out, but it wasn't one of the ones I put on repeat a lot. So it wasn't, I tended to watch more of the uh, crazier ones on repeat. That one was good, but I didn't really see where it was going with it. I thought something else was going to happen, but it it was interesting. It, she did a great job on it. She did. I love where they convince her to go to the safe house, right, once they find out, like, all said and done, because she was put in custody. She was held, like, way past the time they were, they were you know, you're allowed to hold someone, you know, without any kind of representation, yeah. like... She she was she went to jail like she went through the whole fucking thing, yeah. you know, and because she she came back and she was like, I did it after the second murder that she um, witnessed. She just gave herself up. But was it all just a freaking ploy to at the end be put in a safe house so then she could have like a fucking one on one? I love how she's like, no, nah, I'm going to trick him. And I my my goal is to get to my dad so then I could kill this motherfucker like yeah because I'm tired of seeing life through his eyes, you know she was tired of seeing everything that he saw. She's like I saw him in jail for years and that's all I saw was his life in jail. Then I all I saw was him looking out at the, the ocean when he lived in Atlantic City and I was tired of seeing the ocean. She's like and now I you know I don't you know I now that he's gone. I don't see what he sees anymore. She was finally glad to be free of seeing through someone else's eyes. The No, she actually liked the ocean. That was the one thing that she did right. like. But she didn't like everything else. Understandably so. Um, that was her one takeaway in her monologue that she gave. But, yeah, and then she goes to jail for real. Which is like, man, yeah. that sucks. She had a terrible lawyer because I feel like you could have got off on that. It was a guy who had already killed two other people coming into a house... Trying to kill you, yeah, I think you could have got off on that easily enough. But not only that, the guy comes in, the dad comes in, and he, like, is fighting with the cop. 
Right? She doesn't. Oh, no, knock- she knocked the cop out so that she- he could kill the guy. She took take the cop's gun and kill him with the dad when he came in. Okay. See, but-, but that's the thing. He broke into the house. Like, he came into the house. Yeah. Which obviously was for malintent because we know that he was the killer. So, so why would he come there? He off. didn't come. Yeah, exactly. He didn't come there to fucking get a cup of sugar. Like, yeah. he came there with a motive. If she had, a, if she must have had a terrible lawyer or just not fought it at all because she could have easily got off on that and been like, hey, a twice a guy was already convicted of murder once and killed two other people came into the house to try to kill me, a blind woman, and I got the detective's gun and shot him. Yeah. That was all they would have had to done. Yeah, you're right. She did have a terrible lawyer. It was probably like one of those pro bono. She couldn't put forward it. It was yeah, the free the, lawyer. Uh, she got the state lawyer. She damn the state lawyer. He was like, nope, to the jail to you, lady. <laughs> jail. I've got lots of things to do. I don't have time for you. You're a blind woman. You killed your father. Straight to jail. Yep, straight to jail. And that's a Parks and Rec joke for people who don't understand why we find that funny. <laughs> <laughs> so your next episode. My next episode is also from the fifth season, and it is called uh, Bad Blood. And this is the episode where you get to see uh, Mulder and Scully investigate vampires again for the first time in a while. And these vampires are uh, kind of unique. I love the way this episode starts off. You see uh, a kid, uh, what's his name, Uh, Patrick Renner from The Sandlot. You see him running through the woods, screaming, trying to get away from someone that's after him, trying to kill him. Only to discover it's Mulder. Mulder knocks him down to the ground, pulls the stake out, and stabs him through the heart with it. He sure does. And then Scully comes up and is like, Mulder, what did you do? He points to the kid with his mouth open with the vampire fangs out and says, See, look, he's a vampire. Scully just reaches down, pulls the vampire teeth out of his mouth, holds him up. Mulder looks at him and is like, Oh, shit. shit. And then it just cuts to the X-Files theme before he can finish. That was great. It was a great opening. And then, this, what I love about this episode is you get to see a little bit of how Mulder and Scully see each other sometimes. Because first, Mulder, Scully tells the story of... From her perspective. From her perspective, how she saw the events of the day. And Mulder is super gung-ho. Like She comes in the office at like 7 in the morning and is like, let's go, let's go, we're going to Texas. And he's just, you know... Never listens to anything she says. Puts her off doing autopsies while he's off doing whatever. And, you know, she and her, you know, in her version of it, she is just this woman working hard, trying to get everything done, and Mulder's off fucking around doing whatever. And when you see it from Mulder's point of view, Mulder's point of view is he's just this very quiet, nice guy who's, he doesn't walk up and throw the ticket on her desk and yell, yee-haw. He sets it very nicely on the desk in front of her and is like, Good morning, Scully. Are you ready to go to Texas? It's completely different from his point of view. Yeah. How see, he sees himself around her. <laughs> and she's just being mean to him and yelling at him. And she's like, oh, It's not that I'll chupacabra thing. And he's like, uh, No, that, that, that that's a goat sucker. They don't eat people. And you know, just yelling at him about every little thing, you know. And it's just great because like, I love the part in this where She's explaining when they meet the sheriff in the town, and the sheriff is played by Luke Wilson, and she's explaining how handsome he is. When Mulder tells the story, he comes out, and he's like, Howdy, folks. He's got great big buck teeth. (laughs) Terrible. And she's like, Wait, he did not have big buck teeth. And Mulder's like, He had an overbite. He had an overbite. Yeah. Because you get to see us a little bit there. Like, he's a little annoyed that Scully finds this guy attractive, you know? Yeah. And... (laughs) They, uh, 
one of the things in this, uh, another thing in this I like is when they go back to the town later and you're seeing both of them together, they're talking, you know, they meet the sheriff again. As soon as they meet the sheriff and they talk to him, he turns his back and looks away. Scully gets right in front of Mulder, looks at him, opens her mouth and taps her teeth at him like, <laughs> see, his teeth are normal. <laughs> so it's like, wait a second, was her point of the her perspective on the story the factual one? I think it's more factual than Mulder's, to be honest. Because Mulder's like out there in a whole other level. Yeah, he's out there in the graveyard with the sheriff looking for vampires while she's doing the actual work and back with the autopsies and all that. And it doesn't take Scully long to figure out, because she's kind of the one that cracks this, that, well, actually, they, they get to the conclusion about the same time. While Scully's doing the autopsies and realizing that all the people that have been murdered, the last meal they had was pizza, that they all had knockout drops in their system, uh, Mulder is starting to realize he just got a pizza from a delivery guy and is starting to get a little sick and realizes, oh shit, it's the pizza guy who's doing it. Yeah, the pizza guy's drugging people so they can come back in and drink their blood. Yep. And, you know, this one's not the classic vampires of like, you know, they're they're sleeping in coffins, but they're also living in trailers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the vampires all live in a trailer. They're in out in the open, like trying to live a normal life. Yeah. But... You know, the vampires. Yeah, and you do see them during the daytime. Yes. And they even say in this, they're like, yeah, we're just trying to live our life and not really bother anyone, but <sighs> Ronnie just can't let go of the old ways. He just wants to bite people on the neck and live his life. Yeah. The fact that he has green eyes, like the actor has green eyes in real life, so they just, like, accentuate that when they show him, like, yeah. you know, and he has those, like, glowing green eyes. But I love that... He, the vampire, felt the need that even vampires feel insecure. I feel because he felt the need, like I have to have these fake teeth in because <laughs> I can't be coming around here, say you know, being biting on people's necks, and the people are gonna fucking think, oh shit, I'm getting attacked by a vampire. But they're not gonna believe that. They're gonna see my regular teeth. Yeah, they're just gonna think I'm a maniac. So I need them to know that I am an actual vampire. I we are real, but you're not gonna be able to tell anyone because I'm killing you. Yeah, <laughs> I maybe have read too much into that. I, but yes, that's what I got from that. From I that love episode. that the FBI is being sued by his family after they killed him for four hundred and forty-six million dollars. And Mulder's excuse is like, well, I killed a vampire. You're going to back me up on that, right, Scully? She's like, e yeah, no. I can't back you up on that because I, I did not see a vampire. He was just a kid with teeth. He's like, I, I love her thing that she goes, look, I'm going to tell them you stopped a murderer and you were drugged. That's going to be my defense <laughs> you were drugged. They go and he's like, I'm not going to fall back on that. As soon as they get in the office, the first thing Mulder says when Skinner opens the door is, I was drugged. <laughs> he's, like, immediately, like, <laughs> he's like yep drugged this one was also written by vince gilligan and uh, yeah you can see the pattern the ones we like have a certain set of writers here but uh yeah this one always cracked me up this was another one i had a hard time watching i actually had to be out of town when it aired and i set a, a tape to record it and I made sure to set the tape to start 10 minutes before and 10 minutes at, stay 10 minutes after. The power blinked off right as they were going into Skinner's office to talk to him about it. And I did not get to see the end of it for months until they reran it. Yeah. <laughs> I find it funny how we did not really discuss beforehand, before we started watching the episodes, we chose our episodes and then we started rewatching them. Um, right off the bat, and coincidentally, we both, out of 200 episodes, 
ish. We both got a vampire yeah. episode. Um, of course, mine was way more sexier, uh, way more sexy than yours was. Yeah, mine was the uh, mine was the uh, working day everyday vampires. Yours was the sexy going to the club vampires. There's no clubs out in this town. <laughs> well, my episode is from the season where they actually come back. Yeah, the 10th season in, what was it, 2016? 10th season, yeah. 10th season, episode 3, written by Darren Morgan. And it is Mulder and Scully meet the were-monster. <laughs> and um, you pointed out there's a scene where Mulder goes to the cemetery and he walks up and there's a tombstone there and it's dedicated to Kim Manners. Yeah, the tombstone is Tim Manners. Now, how much of this looks like his actual tombstone, I don't know, but... They clearly wanted to pay tribute to him in this because he passed away in 2009 suddenly and uh, he would have definitely been involved in this remake if it had, or this reboot of it if he'd been alive because almost everyone that played a part in the show at some point came back. So I feel like he would have definitely been there if he'd have been alive. So it was nice to see him pay a tribute to him because obviously they liked him. Yeah, it was very, very endearing. Um, and yeah, Mulder bringing the flowers up to it. Yeah. It's very sweet. Well, we, this has, I, I feel, this also has a funny opening. This yes. is a, this is obviously a, a lighthearted one. Yeah. Um, so you have, uh, Tate, so recognizable, uh, Tyler, uh, Tyler Labine, um, from Tucker and Dale. Yes. This is his third appearance on the X-Files. And Nicole Parker Smith, and they're the stoners. Yeah. And they previously showed up in the episode about the cockroaches. Uh, what he was called War of the Coprophages and also the one about the Loch Ness Monster called Quagmire and because of all the shit that happened obviously um, and you know everything that happened with uh, Scully and just the whole experience poor Mulder he's a little he's become the skeptic now he's more skeptical he's way more skeptical than he used to be and this really highlights one, that this is a new X-Files because when this all aired and when it, it was nowhere near cell phone-wise the technology how it is now. So there's one scene where he's like, they're out on the bow, like looking for this creature. Yeah. And he's like, fuck it. He has his phone out and he's just taking pictures like a psycho. Like He's like, this phone app won't stop taking pictures. He's just taking it over and over. He's the one, like, taking the pictures over and over and over again to see if he can capture it because he's like, I'm going to capture this monster. Yeah, because the first thing Mulder says in the one is this one, he's like, oh, curious that there's no pictures of this monster since everyone has a phone on them now. Interesting, huh? Exactly. Like, Mulder's a little jaded by the fact that no one has caught a picture of this monster. But yet, he does have a phone in the episode, and he... Could barely get a picture of the monster. Yeah, he, he barely managed to get one. So like, he messed the camera angle up. It was facing him yep. as opposed to facing the monster. He got like the monster's neck, like, and it's just literally like scales and like a red like bite. So you don't even know what the heck you're looking at. Um, so he's never really able to capture the look of the monster. But I love this one not only because it's funny. And you do see a different side of Mulder. Um, and it, it kind of makes you sad, but it's real. It's a realistic side, I feel. 
After yeah, at a certain point, you're going to be a little disillusioned by that. Um, the stoners are huffing paint from a paper bag, so their whole, <laughs> like, f- from their nose all the way around their mouth is covered in gold. Like, they look like gold member got to them, and they're just with the fucking paper bags, like, just oh, huffing yeah. it in the woods, of course, like you do. They hear something crazy weird. They go investigate mining. They make a joke about, like, they were talking about the full moon, how beautiful it was. And the guy's like, oh, do you ever think about werewolves or whatever? And then, lo and behold, here, all of a sudden, they hear something. They open to see what the heck is going on. There's a man on the floor, like, struggling with a fucking monster. And the monster pops up and runs towards them. And they go to the man who's an animal, like, um... Correction, like officer. Yeah, he's the uh, what do you call him? Uh, dog catcher. Basically. Dog catcher. Yeah, we'll just say old school dog catcher. And then there's some random other guy, and he's dead. You know, in the middle of a cornfield. <laughs> and you have you know Mulder staying at the freaking motel. Let me tell you, motel hell for real, because this motel was crazy. Yeah. I love his line in this when he you, you discover that the motel owner is spying on them through the walls and Mulder's like there's not even a upset. tunnel like it's, yes I'm I'm sorry you can't just gloss over that this motel has these crazy like spy tunnels spy tunnels in there and then they have that class it's also I feel like even though it probably wasn't but like an homage to like Scooby Doo and like <laughs> because in Scooby Doo how many times did either they or the monster look out from a fucking painting and you yeah. see the fucking moving eyes. Like a bajillion times. And of course, you know when Mulder looks into Scully's room in this one, he's looking through a fox. Mmm, nice. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, classic. I-, I can't with you right now. This this comment is just throwing me the fucking Oh, of course, this is also the great episode where you see the guy... You know, he's peeking through at Mulder. He sees Mulder laid on the bed wearing the red Speedo, which you haven't seen Mulder wear since the episode where he first met Crycheck back in season two. Which was a very popular episode. Yeah, I'm sure that one got rewound a few times. Very, very, very which they made popular. fun of that in the Simpsons episode where they appeared, uh, Mulder and Scully appeared. That was his FBI photo was him in the Speedo. <laughs> <sighs> and because, you know, we had now Chris Carter, it's like, what, 2016? So we have you know, and these writers and just people living their life that are, you know, doing this show, they think, okay, well, now we have him, he's a skeptic. Now we have this, we have this creature. And there's a twist to this. We find out that the creature, um, Mulder asked the creature to tell the story. He'll kill him. The deal is the creature wants to die. And Mulder will kill him only if he tells him, like, his story. So his story literally begins at the beginning of the episode. And Mulder's like, wait a second, wait a second. That's not the beginning of the story. Like, you got to go back further. And he's like, no. And then you find out, oh, so this creature was just chilling, looking at the stars. He heard a kerfuffle. It happened to be the animal catcher attacking a man. And then the animal catcher you know, brings his attention towards the monster or towards the creature and he bites him and he's able to get away. So it's the reverse werewolf into man. Yeah. Now it's man into were person or were, were creature. Were creature. Yeah, he's a were lizard basically. 
And he got bit by a human, so he became a human. Oh with an uncontrollable gosh. urge to get a job. Unk, now, every characteristic that this were lizard has is hilarious. It's spot the fuck on. Okay. And what does it say about us? Like, one of the things he says that he's just, he can't stop watching porn. Like, he's just drawn to porn. <laughs> right? And... You know, how he all he wanted was a job. He was very excited for the job. It was he had the yearning for it and then once he had the job he hated the fucking job. Yep. <laughs> I'm just like preach to the crier. And also <laughs> this guy's outfit that he wears is the exact same outfit that uh Darren McGavin wore throughout the entire series of Kolchek the Night Stalker, which was the main inspiration for the X Files. So I feel like they definitely pulled that one out of the closet. They've been waiting to use that for a while. Yeah, I had no idea, and you had to show me a picture because I was like, I don't know. I I have no idea. Also, yes, his outfit was actually very odd, but then they put him to be like, he had an accent, so I, I can't... Yeah, New Zealand accent. Okay, New Zealand, perfect, thanks. I was like, I can't pinpoint what that accent was, uh, but... Yeah, I, I to see him, like, working, and then the sales thing... How he didn't know anything about the phones. He just bullshitted it. He just bullshitted it the whole time. And that's what he loved about being human. You could just bullshit through everything. But the fact that no one in that came into the store didn't know what the fuck he was talking about. They just took him for his word. It's just like, man, ain't that the truth? Like, how many times have you gone to, like, a store like that and you see the salespeople talking to someone else and the person is just, like, eating it up and just buying every feature, listening and just taking everyone for their word? You know, you have that, that gullible person. Yeah. Um. So that was also fantastic. The episode is... And in the episode does have his humorous moments. Yeah. I like this one. This is probably my favorite from that season. I would I would say so, too. I definitely say so. Even though a lot of the time um, I'm like, so when are they going to kiss? When are they going to hold hands? What's going to happen? I mean, they have a child together. Can they just get it together? Like, can they just be together? I mean, that's probably not the point of the show, but come on, guys. It's not like you put these people to have serious relation, long-term relationships with anyone else because how could they? When are they going to have the time for that? Like... They're roaming the country, you know, for aliens, looking for aliens and all kinds of crazy shit. But yeah, this is I I love the twist. I love the human element on the monster and how the monster sees the humans as the monsters. Yeah, you know, um, and it, it even though it's a little, it's slightly disheartening to see Mulder so broken down. You know, yeah. he's just like... But by the end of the episode, he kind of has his, you know, he kind of gets his mojo back and he's ready to start investigating monsters again. He does, because the episode has has heart. It does. It ends in a very cute way. Um, and I love the transition where you see the actor that's playing, you know, in man form. And then there's a shot to the hands, handshaking one another. And then... From the POV from uh, Mulder, then you see, oh, there's now all of a sudden, with the blink of an eye, now the same man that you're still holding his hand is a creature. And it's wonderful. Yeah. And he goes into the, runs into the moonlight. 
Yeah, he runs off into the night. For 10,000 years, he's going to hibernate. <laughs> Mulder was like, that's not real. That's impossible. Like, he doesn't believe it. He's just going to go back. Come back when all the people are gone. It'll be safe then. How funny. Because at first you think, oh, this is kind of like, oh, okay, he's going to hibernate. It's going to be six months, maybe a year. Because the creature's like, I hope after my hibernation, I get rid of this whole human thing. Like, maybe it's just going to wear off, you know? He has 10,000 years. Like, the fact that he's worried about it. Like, oh, after my 10,000 years, I'm going to come back and still be aware, you know, lizard, human. I love how in this episode, too, when Scully figures out it's the, uh, you know, it's the animal control guy, she goes into a resting when Mulder comes to help her out at the end with the police. She's got even handcuffs down on the ground. She's like, he starts talking. He's like, well, I have this uncontrollable urge to kill. And she's like, yeah, shut up. Save it for the trial. Yeah. She's like, I've heard this so many times. It's boring. Just save it for the trial, guy. She's like, you're right, Mulder. You've seen one serial killer. You've seen them all. They're just bushy. Just bored with it at this point. And then she steals the dog. Yeah. Takes the dog and leaves. Yeah. Which is funny because in the show, from what I remember reading, it was David Duchovny that kept taking dogs home. That's really hilarious. Yeah. Kept taking pets home. <laughs> well, that... That's it, right? We did all of our episodes. Did episodes so I didn't mind. Now there's a lot more episodes that we could talk about, but those are our, some of our favorites. Uh, I remember when I was working at Borders in the late 90s, I was very shocked to see the band Eve 6 appear and go, hey, that's just like the X-Files episode, and then find out, oh yeah, they named themselves after the X-Files called Eve. Wow. There was a character in it called Eve 6, and that's where they took their band name from. You know, that's when I was like, wow, this show is really out in the popular culture now. <laughs> yeah, it's it's mainstreamed, you know, because it's one of those few shows. Because now, you know, like Game of Thrones, you might have someone that is not really into that thing. But they get sucked into it and then they get yep. into it, you know. So, and it just becomes like... It's kind of The Walking Dead and all that. There were people that watched that show that never watched other horror exactly. or zombie shows, but they ended up watching The Walking Dead. Yeah. And this one, you know, there were video games and all this stuff for it, which the video games are like all those video games that they usually do for TV shows and that stuff. They're kind of fun, but they were... I remember I started playing it and I got in the car and drove to the place and went in. They were like, you forgot to pick your badge up. Had to get in the car and drive back to the FBI office, go in, open the desk drawer, get the badge out, put it in my pocket, and drive back to the place. I mean, but realistically, though, you I know, would not be on, able it's... to... No, you would not... It's a... Po- well, you see, they're trying to emulate real life. You can't be mad at the video game trying to make the thing feel more I'm real. I'm mad at the video game. I can't with you. You're like, how dare they? It's a fucking video game. I don't need this badge, but it's like, no, it, this is a real crime scene and you have to like show up. You're going to have to show your badge. I know, but uh, I would just kind of assume they had their badge and gun on them when they left the place. Why? You see them take it off every damn episode and they put it on the desk. Like, come on now. <laughs> boom, boom. Shh. Got you right there. Ha <laughs> Yeah, they take that off. You're going to be walking around with all that stuff. I mean, even if he has magical trench coat pockets, okay, <laughs> or she does too. I love how you pointed out how in the first season their clothes are like oversized, they're ill-fitting, they're not, you know, they're not fancy. But as the seasons progress, the clothes get more tailored and fancy and fancier. Yeah, they get they get nicer clothes and nicer cars that they drive. Like, yeah. When they show, like, they're driving very cheap, you can tell, like, studio cars at the beginning of it. It's like JCPenney, like, 
80s, 90s, like, J.C. Penney. Yeah, and you the know. cars, whatever car they had in the back lot of the studio that they could drive and yeah. pretend to be a rental car and all that. You and know. then Armani, or like... Yeah, the suits get fancier and everything as it goes on. Same way with the cell phones. The cell phones get fancier and fancier as it goes. And, uh, yeah, it's also, like, there was another one of these that was supposed to... They did an episode in the second season called The Red Museum that was originally supposed to be a crossover with that show on another network called Picket Fences. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were supposed to cross over with that, but then at the last minute, it they canceled out. So they ended up on that show, ended up having FBI agents come in that were suspiciously like Mulder and Scully mm. to investigate an episode, and they went into a town where there was a, you know, sheriff like Picket Fences and all that. So I always thought that was kind of interesting. I wish that had happened. That would have been fun. Yeah, I I love when they do the crossovers because I feel like that's such freaking classic TV, right? When they do that. But then when there's a lot of times where they pull out and it it is disappointing because it's like that would have been cool. You know, that would have worked. I get maybe like, oh, uh, you know, um, sorry, I was going to (laughs) say Neve Campbell from Party of Five just shows up, like her character shows up in the X-Files. That's like totally, <laughs> like, no, that's not a thing. But my mind went straight. My mind, literally the first person that came to mind, I said, oh, it's not going to get Charlie to go do it because that's her brother's name, the guy from Lost. Oh, yeah. His name is Charlie in the show. I forgot his freaking name. Um, His name is Charlie in the show, and literally that's the first name that came to mind was Charlie. Also, isn't it crazy how from that show you have the dude that went on to do Lost, so that was like real big, right? Then you have Nev Campbell, obviously, to go do the Scream series and then everything else that she's done after that. But predominantly, we're just going to stick to the Scream series because I'm just going towards like the mid-2000s with this. We also have Jennifer Love Hewitt, who went off to do the I Know What You Did last summer. And that Ghost Whisperer, whatever it was, show for like oh, 25 seasons. Yeah, that show was huge, big time. Now, she went off to go do other things. I'm just sticking to, like, the breakout out of TV into the movie. Not so much Matthew Fox, who Love is the guy lost. that plays uh, Charlie in Party of yeah, Five. Yeah, I never watched that show, so I had no idea. <laughs> What? How funny, because, not that we're going to get on a Lost tangent, but when I saw Lost, I was super excited. I was like, oh, it's Charlie, because literally, I don't, I've always loved that name. I think it's a really cute name for a boy and girl. Also, Jude Barrymore's name, Charlie and Firestarter. I know, we're not going to go through the whole, like, thing, but this is how my brain works. So, yes, the 90s. We're just going to, we're just going to say the 90s. Good shows. Shows, they don't have shows like that anymore. I'm a, that's that's what you know when you're getting old, when you start saying, that's not how it was when I was younger, or it's not as good as it used to be. Yeah. That's they just don't make shows like they did in the 80s and 90s anymore. Oh, my then, goodness. Like 30 years from now, people are going to be like, they don't make shows like they did in the teens and 20s anymore. And the teens and 20s. Ew. Yeah. Uh, gross. It was going to be back in Art 5. They knew how to do television. <laughs> oh my gosh, imagine. No, of course, obviously, television back then, I mean, a lot of it was very problematic. <laughs> but they'll, we, look at the, they'll look at the TV from now, 30 years from now, they'll look at that and go, ooh, good Lord, they did a lot of problematic things back then. For sure, yes. It, that's never going to change. Yeah. There's always going to be that change. But 
Uh, it was really good to revisit these episodes, especially yeah. watching them for the first time together because yeah. we really haven't sat down and absorbed the X-Files together as a unit. Um, so that was fun. And to see like what I feel like our episode choices were pretty similar in tone yeah, and co- coincidentally in Creatures. You know, another one that we didn't watch, but that was, I'll just mention before we go, that uh, a lot of people uh, confused the hell of a lot of people was the X-Cops episode, where it starts off with the uh, opening for Cops. It's the same theme song from Cops with that, but it's Mulder and Scully chasing a monster in it with the other cops and doing things on it. They aired that on, like, a Sunday night, and people were like, the fuck, I didn't think Cops was on tonight. I'm dead. <laughs> it's literally that, and you realize, oh, shit, this is the X-Files. Yeah, that one confused the hell of a few people I knew because they were like, wait, oh, it is the X-Files, okay. Yeah. Because Fox had a habit of just when something was canceled or it was on a rerun, they would just throw episodes of Cops on to cover the tight space because it was a thousand episodes of that thing. So it wouldn't have been unlikely that like, oh shit, something happened, they didn't show X-Files tonight, so it's going to run Cops. So that one confused a few people. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now that I saw a lot of episodes of Cops. So oh, yeah. I feel like... Unfortunately, like you just said, when they didn't have something or something that canceled, I completely forgot about what it was that was supposed to take that spot because I was like, cops, we got that intro song. You you got me. You, yep. I'm reeled in. That show's crazy. But yeah, classic 90s. Well, that wraps up our episode for this week where we're celebrating 30 years of X-Files. Yep, and maybe they'll bring it back again. Who knows? No, no. I think they did. They, they're done. They're, I don't know. I think in 20 years, this will be a show that they can bring back again. They'll bring it back with a new cast. And I've always thought that they could do this show. The better way to bring this show back is don't bring it back and do the overarching conspiracy episodes. Do what they did with Strange New Worlds for Star Trek, where they brought it back and it's like an episodic thing where there's not like a plot that stretches from every episode. You don't have to watch all ten episodes back to back. Do like a Law and Order type thing where every week is a monster of the week or a crazy thing of the week with the people and just do it that way because those were the most successful episodes, so just bring that back and stick to that format, you know? I guess. I I see the under the reason why you would want or need an underlining story but because you got to give the thing some kind of purpose because then is it just is it like lucifer where it's a love thing like it becomes like about the relationship between you know him lucifer and the human the cop his yeah, partner no, like the thing with the law and order those shows have been those shows ran for 20 years the one's going on like year 25 now where it's just them investigating different crimes that are ripped from the headlines. Yeah. You do that with the X-Files, except it's ripped from the internet. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, even in those shows, there's still some, like, each character does have some yeah, kind of personal life. Yeah, it has to be entirely like self-contained, that they're never going to reference another episode or anything. I'm just saying that, at the point, a certain point in the X-Files, it got to be, like, if you hadn't watched all the episodes, you didn't know what was going on. Yeah. And they need to trim that back a little bit. Which that formula is kind of crazy because it's just like, how do you bring in new people that are coming in midway? Yeah, that's like, why they used to do clip shows in so many a TV episode series in the past. They'd have to do a clip show because before there was VHS to like watch things, every season they had to do a clip show to catch everybody up on what was going on. And uh, like now, you know, everybody can see everything. You can rent it all. But I think now where they do smaller TV seasons too, you don't have to worry about that. 
you know, these aren't going to be probably, if you brought this back, it wouldn't be 24 episodes in a season. It'd be 10, you know. It's a lot easier to watch three seasons something that's 10 episodes than it is to watch three seasons something that's 25 episodes, you know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> now I'm really going to conclude. Uh, <laughs> or will you? <laughs> our episode on 30 Years of X-Files. Stay tuned to the horror. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Good night.